Hey, I'm in Japan. I'm Frank Ling. And from Chicago, Illinois, I'm Charles Lee. And you're listening to the Grok Science Show. That's right. It's a weekly look at the world of science, technology, and their effects on our daily lives. Coming up on today's program, Dr. Brandon Colby will discuss outsmarting your genes. So stay tuned for all of this. Plus the Grokatron 5000. And our world-famous question a week. Coming right up. Here. On the Grok's Science Show. Science show. Well, a large part of our health and predisposition to certain diseases is determined by our genetic makeup. How much influence do genes have on our health? Can knowing one's genetic makeup be beneficial for improving one's health? Well, joining us today to discuss this issue is Dr. Brandon Colby. Dr. Colby is a leader in the field of predictive medicine and founder and CEO of Existence Genetics, a predictive medicine company. He has penned the new book, Outsmart Your Genes, How Understanding Your DNA Will Empower You to Protect Yourself Against Cancer, Alzheimer's, Heart Disease, Obesity, and Many Other Conditions. And he joins us today to discuss this issue for a general audience. Uh, Dr. Colby, thank you very much for joining us today on the Grok Science Show. Thank you for having me. It's great to be here. Well, it's certainly our pleasure, and I think this is really a, a fascinating book, Outsmart Your Genes. What exactly does genetic testing entail? So genetic testing is actually quite simple. It entails going to your physician, choosing which diseases or which types of testing you would like, which is a pretty straightforward process. And then the best part, which most people usually like to hear, no needles and no blood. So simple now, all we need is some of your saliva, that gets sent to a laboratory, the testing gets conducted, and then your physician will receive a report that is meant to empower you and your physician over disease so that the report not only says what diseases you may be at risk for, but what you can do with that information, so how you can lower your risk of those diseases. Uh, what types of diseases and uh, what type of information can come out of such a test? The really tremendous breakthrough is that we can now start predicting a person's risk of the common diseases that we're all afraid of. Everything from Alzheimer's disease to cancer to heart disease. Uh, all of those are really based within our genes. The answers exist within our genes as to who's going to get Alzheimer's, who's going to get heart disease. We can now utilize our genes to find out that information before the disease ever occurs and therefore take preemptive steps to avoid that from ever occurring. How much of then the progress of the disease is really determined by the genes themselves and how much really can be prevented? Each disease is determined a separate amount by our genes, but almost every disease has some responsibility exists within our genes. So that there's hardly anything that uh, just occurs without any interplay of our genes. An example of this, which uh, some people are surprised to hear, is HIV virus and becoming infected by the HIV virus. Some people are actually immune uh, to HIV viral infection, while other people are much more susceptible to it. 
and that is determined by our genes as well. So very simple to deduce that from a uh, genetic test. How common is such genetic testing nowadays? It is available either through your physician or also through the internet. Um, I myself am a medical doctor, so I really advocate the utilization of genetic testing only through healthcare professionals. Right now, there are some doctors, usually in most areas, that that perform these tests, and the numbers are are certainly growing uh, every month as doctors learn that these breakthroughs and and access to this technology is now becoming commonplace. How well-versed, then, are, are most doctors in terms of the new technology? Right, and that's an excellent question because if these are being delivered through doctors, we want to make sure that doctors really understand the uh, results and how to properly counsel their patients. A lot of the work that I've done over the past five years is to learn the most efficient methods for doctors to quickly uptake this information so that they could integrate this very quickly into their practice with little downtime, little training, and therefore really utilize it to the best of their abilities without a significant amount of training. And that is really done by providing them the results of the genetic analysis within a language that they're familiar with. So instead of talking like a, a PhD genetic lingo, we talk the language that physicians are already familiar with, which is dealing with uh, different diseases, with medications, different risks. So it's really just keeping it at the level that doctors understand, and we found that that greatly helps their integration of this uh, within their practice. Do you see this then becoming more commonplace as perhaps part of a regular physical? Within 10 years, I believe most everybody will have their genes analyzed and it will become regular part of medical care. Most newborns who are born within developed countries will have their genes analyzed just as you go to your doctor and he asks you about your medical history, what medications you're taking, what diseases run in your family. Part of that assessment will also include looking at your genes. So how does one become more informed about testing? A a great place to start is actually my my book itself, uh, Outsmart Your Genes. That lists a lot of the providers of these different types of genetic tests. And the way that I like to tell people to go about this is to look at the information that's contained in the book because it will tell you the questions that you need to ask in order to ascertain whether you're going to get very accurate, reliable results. And then there are also resources on the book's website, which is outsmartyourgenes.com, that will help find providers within this field. Really, any physician could integrate this into their practice, so you don't have to choose a new doctor. You just have to go to your doctor and tell your your current doctor and tell him or her that you're interested in these and that you would like to pursue one of these tests. And usually doctors are pretty receptive as long as you go to them beforehand and not after the testing occurs. So what does it mean then if you go in for a genetic test and you get a result that says you have a predisposition for heart disease, then how how does one deal with such a diagnosis? Right. So it's not a diagnosis because you don't have heart disease yet. It's more a prediction based on your genes that you're at risk for heart disease. 
And that does not mean that you're going to definitely get heart disease. It just means that your genes are putting you on a path towards heart disease. And therefore, you could change that path through manipulating your different lifestyle, such as the foods you eat, how much you exercise, and the types of exercises you do, as well as medications you could take that will decrease your risk, and even screening exams, how often a doctor sees you and what tests he performs in order to assess whether any heart disease is in its initial stages. So based on that information that you're at risk for a disease like heart disease, Many different preventions can be implemented to lower your risk or to minimize its impact should it ever occur. Since we're on heart disease, what sorts of things then would generally be recommended? The really groundbreaking discoveries are are that your genes not only put you at risk of disease like heart disease, but they also provide the information on what's going to be the most effective treatment. So for heart disease, Let's say I find that one of my patients is at risk for heart disease. I then look at all the other preventions that are dictated by that person's genes. An example is medication that's commonly known by people, Lipitor, that falls into a class called statins at lower cholesterol levels. There's a subset of the population that has uh, very bad adverse reactions to this medication, uh, and that can be predicted by the person's genes. So by seeing that one of my patients is at increased risk for heart disease, I then look and make sure before I prescribe this medication that they're not also at risk for this adverse reaction to to the medication. So it's getting a complete comprehensive assessment of their genes allows us to provide the most effective prevention with the least likelihood of any adverse reactions. I see. So it's, in a way, tailoring the preventative medicine to the particular situation that exists. That's correct. Uh, Tailoring is the perfect word, and, and we actually refer to that as genetic tailoring. So what we just discussed is genetically tailored prevention. Well, another disease that a lot of people, I'm sure, are very concerned about, especially with an aging population, is that of Alzheimer's disease. What can genetic testing tell us about that? Genetic testing, uh, unfortunately, has really gotten a bad rap when it comes to Alzheimer's disease because people think that it is a sentence, that if you find out you're at risk for Alzheimer's disease, there's nothing you could do about it, so, so why should I know? And that's a misconception. There actually is a tremendous amount we could do to battle Alzheimer's disease. And from my own perspective, I think this is how utilizing predictive medicine is how we are going to be able to conquer Alzheimer's disease, that we could really predict a person's risk of Alzheimer's as young as even in in children and take numerous preventive measures throughout their entire life that will significantly lower their risk of the disease. So we're, we're not powerless against Alzheimer's. We truly can fight back, but it takes lifelong action. Indeed, that is the the scare with a lot of these sorts of uh, genetic tests, that it is, in fact, a sentence. How does one overcome that kind of preconception? I have worked a lot to try to uh, educate the public that genetic testing is not about risk. It's not about finding out that you're at risk for a disease. It's about empowerment. It's about empowering you over these diseases 
so that in the back of our mind, we don't have the thought, one of these days I'm going to go to the doctor and he's going to call me back after some testing and, and sit down with me and tell me that I have cancer or Alzheimer's or heart disease. Instead of waiting for that day, we can now look at our genes, understand the path that they're putting us on, and do something about it. So it's really that empowerment, it's that doing that genetic testing is about. Um, another of the major diseases you talk about in your book is cancer. A great example of how we can battle cancer through predictive medicine and genetic testing is breast cancer. And there are two most infamous genes called BRCA genes, or BRCA1 and 2. They predispose a subset of our population to breast cancer. But what they also do is greatly increase the risk of breast cancer if a woman or even a young child, a female child with these abnormal genes is exposed to radiation. And usually any of us with children know that if our daughter has a cough and goes to the pediatrician, it's almost like a reflex to send that person for a chest x-ray. Or if they come to the emergency room and we think it's appendicitis, right away the person goes and gets a CAT scan. And when they grow up and they're a bit older, in order to conduct breast cancer screening, most of the time it's by mammogram. And x-rays, CAT scans, and mammograms are all exposing the person to radiation. And that's like throwing gasoline onto a fire in terms of the risk that these people have of breast cancer. So knowing from early on, from even in childhood, that they contain uh, these abnormal genes, it completely changes clinical management because then the pediatrician is going to avoid sending them for a chest x-ray. The ER doctor is not going to do a CAT scan for appendicitis. Uh, instead, they're going to send the person for an MRI that doesn't contain any radiation. And the same thing for mammograms, that the person would not have mammograms. Instead, they would have MRI screening for breast cancer. So just in that simple insight that they contain these abnormal genes, it changes the clinical management of that person throughout their entire life and drastically lowers their risk of breast cancer. Another of the major issues, of course, is obesity. That, that's right. And how many of us have uh, really been fighting with our weight for so long? And we see that some diets work for some people, but not for others. And we're learning now that the reason for that, the reason that your friend may tell you about a great diet that worked for them, but you try it and it doesn't work for you, is because of the changes that exist within our genes, that your friend has different genes than you do. Because of that, the diets are, are, that may work in, in them do not work in you. We're now seeing a lot of good research come out that will allow us to guide a patient as to what specific diets, either a low-carbohydrate diet or a low-fat diet, is going to be most effective for them in losing weight. Would you suggest that all parents then have their children tested for genetic ailments? I advocate that. Of, of course, I'm, I'm a strong believer in this. And in my earlier career, when I was a resident physician, I, I all too often what occurs when, when we don't have genetic testing, which is people just being diagnosed with diseases that could have been prevented. Everything from SIDS, from sudden infant death syndrome, to multiple sclerosis, 
atherosclerosis to uh, cancer that we just talked about and Alzheimer's disease, that we really can be empowered over these diseases, but we have to find out first what path our genes are trying to put us on, and then we can outsmart those genes, that we can really use our knowledge of that to redirect that path to point us away from heart disease, to point us away from Alzheimer's disease, and to even avoid a, a large number of babies dying from sudden infant death syndrome. So I see a tremendous amount of benefit, and I believe that it is really up to the individual to choose what is best for them and their family, such as their children. So that I will provide access and uh, counseling around this. And for the people who are interested, then they can go and utilize predictive medicine services. And certainly some people will not feel comfortable with that, but for those that do, for those that want to really be empowered, I will make sure that these services are accessible to them. So the message is really one of, of hope. Exactly right. I, I do not really perform genetic testing for anything that we can't do anything about. So I am not an advocate of just conveying risk to people. Everything has to be linked to empowerment, to doing something to lower their risk of disease, to prevent disease. All right. Well, it looks like we are running slightly out of time, but I'm curious if maybe you just have some final words regarding genetic testing. I think we, we covered a lot during the show, and if the listeners are interested in learning more about predictive medicine and learning how it associates uh, and, and could be used to battle things such as autism, dyslexia, how to uh, try to ensure the health of future children, then reading uh, Outsmart Your Genes is really the, the best place to start. That It took me a, a number of years to write the book. Uh, it has tremendous amount of references, all based in, uh, in scientific journals, but what I've done is made it very non-technical, and it is accessible read and, and hopefully very enjoyable. Nothing like a medical textbook, nothing like uh, anything that we remember from high school. It's more meant for the lay person so that they could understand this field and how it is going to really benefit their lives and, and their children's lives. All right. Well, the new book is called Outsmart Your Genes. And uh, Dr. Colby, I want to thank you very much for joining us today on the Grok Science Show. I, thank you so much for having me. And you were just listening to Dr. Brandon Colby discussing outsmarting your genes. This is the Grox Science Show. Well, coming up in just a few minutes, it's the Grokatron 5000. So stay tuned. We got the afternoon. You got this room for two. One thing I'm left to do. Discover me. Wonderland. Your 
time to play the game, the Grokatron 5000. It is our supercomputer formerly known as Deep Blue. Today, the Grokatron 5000 has chosen the topic Panacea or Placebo. So for the following five individuals, the Grokatron 5000 would like to know if you would categorize them as a Panacea or a Placebo and maybe a little reason why. Dr. Colby, you ready to play the game? Yes, I am. Okay, here we go. Person number one, Panacea or Placebo, it's the real estate mogul Donald Trump. I would say that he is a panacea. He certainly is a promoter and that he knows what the public likes uh, and he uh, goes after that. So um, I would say that he is a panacea. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) All right, number two, it's the golfer Tiger Woods. Um, I would categorize him also as a panacea solely based on his golfing skill, that he is a truly amazing athlete, that there's nobody else like him. When it comes to golf, uh, his name will always be remembered, and and because of that, he's a panacea. Okay. (laughs) All right, panacea or placebo, uh, Dr. Phil. I would say placebo on on Dr. Phil. Well, I I think he he makes some very good statements and he relates uh, very well to people, but I think that that could be done uh, by many different people. And he's found a niche and and it works, but um, not for me all the time. (laughs) Number four, it's the uh, pop starlet uh, Lady Gaga. Definitely panacea there. Personally, I I view her as extremely talented. I like her music. I think she makes sure that her music is very uh, accessible to a a wide audience, which is exactly what I'm trying to do with predictive medicine. I would say uh, Lady Gaga, Panacea. All right. Finally, number five, Panacea or Placebo, the President of the United States, Barack Obama. Um, I, I would say that he is a panacea as well. That you know, uh, There's a large debate about a lot of his policies, uh, but when it comes down to it, he truly believes that he is trying to do the best for the country. And I think that is a, a very strong point that we could always hope for in a president, that they really believe so deeply in what they are trying to accomplish. And I see, I see that in him. I see uh, somebody who is truly devoted to trying to put America on the best path possible. Well, Dr. Colby, I want to thank you very much for sticking around, playing our game, uh, the Grokatron 5000, and again, of course, talking about your book, Outsmart Your Genes. Uh, thank you very much for your time. Thank you so much for having me. I hope you have a good day. Thanks. Bye. And that's all for this week's edition of the Grok Science Show. Make sure you tune in next week for more from the world of science and technology. If you'd like to contact us here, you can email us at science at groks.net. For Grok Science, I'm Frank Ling. And I'm Charles Lee. Make sure you also see us on the web at www.groks.net. Have a great afternoon and keep on grokking.